checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. So with that being said, let's look at Luke chapter 19, verse 13. As, you, as it is our custom, and when I say custom, because the Lord spoke to me last year, that uh, I do a lot of leadership training for the staff. We have 76 employees and growing as an organization um, between all the elements that are connected to Anchor Faith Church. And um, so with that being said, you know, we have to learn to develop as a leader to navigate the different businesses that we are in. And, you know, in the world, there's all kinds of leadership seminars. I mean, my gosh, man, if I could charge what the world charges for leadership seminars, you know, we'd, we'd probably pay them all off right now. And the things that we're saying are actually better than most of the stuff that these people are spending thousands upon tens of thousands of dollars for in the first place. But with that being said, um, you know, we do leadership and the Lord spoke to me and he says, you need to begin to do some leadership lessons on Wednesday nights to the congregation because they work. Uh, they're in the workforce. They are out and about in society and they will rise to the top as they grow in their leadership at work because it's not just for the church. Okay. And so we began to do these things. Well, um, we, I started to want to do it on the last Wednesday of the month and we have five Wednesdays. So I ended up picking this one because it just got impressed in my spirit. We should do one tonight. And so we're going to do that. Amen. So in Luke chapter 19, verse 13, again, this is for everybody in the house. It says this. And then he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. The new American standard says it this way. And he gave uh, and he called 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 uh, again coins and said to them, do business with this until I come back. Do business. Are you hearing me? So the, the father, when he deposited in us his spirit, he expects us to do some business. Uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, many times we hear the gospel in the lens of I've received eternal life. So when I, I'm going to go somewhere when I die. But the Lord's actually saying, you know, I'm depositing something in you and I want you to do something with it while you're there. Because then once you're absent from the body and be present with me, you're going to give an account for it. Right. Now, that's not that 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 deposit is not what makes you go to heaven, because uh, in the context that, you know, here, Lord, I'm going to have to give a report for what I did while I was on the earth serving you. Uh, and does that let me in? No, you're in. The point is, is that what did you do once you became a child of God? And there is that great. There is that, uh, excuse me, judgment seat of Christ. Uh, moment that we're going to have with him one-on-one where he's going to say, okay, let's talk about what you did with what I gave you while you were in the earth. How did you function with it? How did you do business with it? How did you interact in society? Okay. Jesus understood that when he came to earth, he was in business. Okay. In business. When Jesus ran a business, he ran a business. Okay. He was in a business. And it says it this way in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, the Amplified Classic says it this way. And he said to them, how is it that you uh, had to look for me? Did you not see and know how it was necessary as a duty for me to be in my father's house and occupied about my father's business? 
Now, obviously, Jesus um, was about 12, 13 years old when he makes this statement. He already knows the business that he is to conduct while in the planet at that young of an age. And when his family thought they were, his mom, mother and father thought they were with them, uh, had left with them, they get three days in only to find out he's not among us and we need to go back and backtrack and find him. And it took them a few days when they got back to town to even find him. And there he is in the synagogue teaching the scripture to the scribes <laughs> and they are blown away at his wisdom. But he looks to his parents and says, did you not see and know that it is necessary as a what? As a duty for me to be in my father's house and occupied about my father's business. Are we about our father's business? I said, are we about our father's business? Well, we'll find out. Matthew 16, 21 to 23. The reason why we're going here is because you've got to understand something. We are in a family business. But you got to, there's a difference between family and family business. There's a natural family and then there's family business. And we've got to define these roles because in your workplace, you may work with natural family members or you may be around those who have natural family members that work in the same environment. Are you hearing me? And then you need to know how to conduct yourself so that you can always be about business and not be, um, not be hindered because you allow a natural family to hinder you. Now, maybe your natural family doesn't work with you, but your natural family can pull on you from work. Now, I'm not telling you to be a workaholic, nor am I telling you to ignore your natural family. I'm telling you to learn to define the difference between it. Because if you do not learn how to define the difference between it and keep your emotional state where it should be, then it will affect you in your leadership ability at work. Now, just for us to set the ground rules, okay? What do you do for a living? Okay? If you just thought in your mind the title of your job, then you don't know who you are. That is not what you do for a living. The Bible tells us that we are to live by faith. So what do you do for a living? I live by faith. What do you do for a living? Oh, I live by faith. What? No, I mean, what's your job? Oh, what's my job? Oh, that's totally different. At my job, my title is. But I don't identify with my title. The title I identify with is in Christ. Right? And I live by faith. Because if that's the case, if that's the case, then I a, a job will never stress me to the point that I will compromise my principles in order to keep it. Nor will the current income I receive from it 
caused me so much stress that if my king told me to depart and go somewhere else without telling me where I'm going to land first, I can still put in my two weeks notice by faith. (coughs) Are you hearing me? Because when you know the family business, right, then you won't allow natural family to stop things. I have seen many natural families fall apart because the natural family decided to take a promotion somewhere in another community because they naturally came together like, this is better for our family. This is more money for us. This allows us to go here and do that. And never take into consideration, does the father want it? And where is he planting you when you get there? Well, we'll find a church when we get there. Because we treat church as if it's optional to job. Yet church is the most important thing in our lives because we are the body of Christ of which he is the head of the body and he's the head of the church. So we should be more concerned about where we going to church than where we getting a job. Because many promotions have left people bankrupt, their marriages destroyed, with loss. I'll just say amen anyway. So again, our, our, our you know, foundation to minister this message is that first you have to remember that I live by faith, that I'm in Christ, I have a place of employment that God allows me to demonstrate the kingdom. Do we have that? Okay, with that being said, Jesus did not allow natural relationships to hinder his business. Because even at work, you can develop natural relationships with people that if you do not maintain your role of duty, you will compromise. Just say amen anyway. Come on, I'm not even hardly in. I need y'all to help support a little bit easier. (laughs) Don't make me feel like I'm plowing. Right? You know, there, obviously, I've been in outside of the church before. And, um, you know, there's a system, especially from where, you know, in the South. Let's just call it the South. But I think it's probably everywhere. Uh, We just happen to call it the good old boy system. And that is basically you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. We're kind of looking after each other. But most of the time that means if you don't do something right, I'm not going to say anything. If I don't do something right, I'm not going to say anything. Or we're going to let each other slide. So in essence, we let the natural relationship stop us from duty. We allow the emotions of wanting to be accepted in our employed group instead of honor the vision of the place that we have been entrusted. And I think the next leadership one, I'll talk about that a little bit more. Okay? Because then we'll find out if you're just hired. Because when you realize I've been placed by God for a season, and it could be a very long season, it could be till you retire season, so to speak. Right? It could be. But the point is you're in a season And you are to make influence for the king. And you can't do it if the principles of the kingdom, 
the father's business is being compromised because you want the natural relationships with your coworkers or family members for that matter to dictate how you respond to them. And if you're going to rise, if you want God to bring promotion to your life, then you're going to have to do it the father's business way. You have to understand there's duty. So we see here in Matthew 16, 21 to 23, Jesus said, look, I'm about my father's business. He never came off of that. But he developed some very tight relationships in his pursuit of doing God's will. In fact, one of those is he handpicked 12 people to travel with him. Handpicked them. And these 12 plus others traveled with him. There were women who traveled with him as well. There were people that went along in each place he did. He developed some very um, close relationships. And of the 12, there were three in particularly that he did more with than the rest. Right? And those three were Peter, James, and John. Right? They were very tight. Well, here we are. Jesus is talking to all of his disciples in the 16th chapter, and he's beginning to let them in on a little more of his purpose, the business that he's about. And he says, who do people say that I am? You know, and they give them the world's response and the religious response. Then he said, but who do you say that I am? Peter jumps up and says, what? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And what do he do? That's right. God had flesh and blood. You would have not gotten it like that. It is revealed to you by the spirit. My father's revealed it. Well, well done, Peter. Right. And then he said, now upon the revelation that I am the Christ, I'm going to build my church. He says, and then he goes on and says, and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. And then he goes on and said, now listen, I'm going to die. Right. But on the third day, going to be raised up. But when Peter heard he was going to die, what did Peter do? Peter got into the natural relationship and he began to say, not going to happen. So he brings, takes Jesus, pulls him over to the side because we tight. And he needs to know how much he loves him and how much he defends him and how much he is there to support him. And he says, listen, may it never be. Right? He says right here, verse 20, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests, be killed, and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. You're not going to die. It's not going to happen. But what does Jesus say? But Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. You're setting your mind, you're setting your mind not on God's interests, but man's. The minute you let your mind set on a man's interest, and when I say man, I'm not talking just another man. You're, I'm not just saying you, I'm saying it could be another person. Husbands, it could be your wives. Wives, it could be your husbands. One of the most challenging things for a spouse is when another spouse is having conflict and they basically won't resolve it before they go to work. Or while they're at work, they call with conflict. Not recognizing they have a duty. 
And why do I want to put my spouse in emotional stress about how I'm feeling or how that what we talked about? Because you fail to realize that there's a duty they have to represent the kingdom. Okay. The minute we allow our natural relationship to be able to bleed over when someone is on assignment. Again, it's not the title you are. It's the assignment you have. Right? Sydney, stand up, Sydney. You're the only Sydney I know. <laughs> Sydney is the assistant um, coach for the Flagler women's basketball. Amen. Now, she has an assignment in this school. Do they pay you? They do pay her. Now, she could say, this is my career, right? The, her title is assistant coach. You know, maybe there's a bigger title with that. I'm not sure, but let's just keep it at that. Okay, we're, I'm good. Assistant coach, right? So here she is, title. She has access to place, but her assignment is to show these women that come from all over the country the kingdom. And you're doing a really good job at that. Amen. Right. Amen. So she then, although she has to improve her natural skills and work with a coach, specifically, her number one assignment is to reflect the king. To reflect the king. To the point that if the university catches wind of her godliness, and all of a sudden, they begin to say, you can't live godly like this on the campus. Then she's going to be in a place. Now, I know where she's going to go. She's going to go, this is just who I am. I can't deny me. Right? Amen. But God's opening doors at Flagler right now. I'm telling you, he's opened doors wide open. It's coming more and more. Amen. So again, we want to pray for her. Pray for what she's doing. My point is, is that she's not an assistant coach. She's a believer who lives by faith, represents the kingdom that is in a title position called assistant coach where she influences for the kingdom of God. Women, God brings women from around the world to her. You can be seated. Thank you. Amen. Which means then if Coach Mo, who's the head coach, tries to get her to, which he would not because he's a believer too. But if he tried to get her to compromise her standard of living for something natural, like we're going to get this recruit, but we're going to do this, but that violates the rules, right? Well, I can't do that because I can't let my natural relationship with you interrupt my duty to please my father. Are you hearing me? Okay. Jesus would not let natural relationships stop him from his purpose. Period. Let's go on. Matthew 12, verses 46 to 50. It says this. While he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? 
Well, did Jesus develop amnesia? Right? Was Jesus crazy? His mama probably thought he was crazy when he made the statement, maybe. Right? You know, because I could hear a lot of mamas right now if your child says, who's my mama? Boy. <laughs> right? You've heard me say before when we've read these past scriptures, the mamas are thinking, I brought you into this world. So you finish it for me. I get it. Right? That's how much y'all love them. I get it. A mother's love. <laughs> but Jesus goes on and stretching out his hand towards his disciples. His what? And he said, behold, my mother and my brothers. Then he defines who his family is. For whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. In the first account, Matthew 16, we see Jesus will not let natural relationships he has with someone who's not of a bloodline that he is of hinder him from accomplishing the role or assignment God has for his life. Here now is his mama. This is family name. This is the one who gave birth to him, the one who fed him as a child, who nursed him on her own breast, the one who changed his diapers, the one who cared for him. And yet, when this conversation comes about your, your natural family wants your attention, he did not come off the platform for them. You know, in our society, we say family's everything. In fact, a lot of places, even in pulpits, say families first. Now, I'm not telling you to not honor your husband-wife relationship, children. I'm not saying. I'm just saying, according to Scripture, you cannot allow that natural dynamic to hinder you from your godly call. Nor should we, on the other side, in natural family, try to hinder someone who is going after the call of God for their life. I'm going to pick on Randy Clay and Joshua Clay for a moment. Jo Randy Clay raised his boys, both of them, okay, to follow God. He did that. And then he spoke to them and said, if you ever think that you're called to ministry or do something with the Lord... He goes, I'll underwrite. I'll do it. Because he always at the time saw himself as a businessman only. Now, in the back of his mind, it was obvious that Randy had a desire that they would follow him in the family business. Okay? He's a graphic uh, artist. He had a signed company, still does today in, in Oklahoma. And so as a result of that, you know, his boys worked with him, trained him his Oldest son, again, following a little bit of scripture. You know, this is my firstborn. Going to get a double portion kind of stuff. I mean, this is the one that's going to take the family business. Taught him all the stuff. Joshua and I, when I first met him, how old are you, 12, 13? 13? He was 13. He's the one who introduced me to graphic design in the first place on a platform called Corel Draw. And so we would function in this and we would develop our own logos in the youth ministry. I had a great time in that particular environment. We had a great time together, right? And so we work these things. Well, you understand, the only reason he knows that is because his father works in the environment for the family business. 
Well, Joshua and I had developed a relationship. God ultimately calls me here to Anchor Faith Church to start this church, and he had yet to graduate. Well, upon him coming into his senior year, you know, where he was the top of his class. It's true. It was also the bottom of his class. He was the best student and worst student at the same time, because when you're homeschooled, that's what that looks like. <laughs> but he's going to graduate. And he tells his father, I want to move to Florida and help Pastor Earl with the church. This was not Randy Clay's plan. This was not the father's business that he had perceived. And so I remember having a conversation with him on the phone, you know. He thinks he wants to come down there. He doesn't even have a plan. <laughs> I'll never forget that. He doesn't even have a plan. You know, I, he needs a plan. So basically, he negotiated. Because he's a businessman. He says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to have to give me a plan. I want you to submit me a plan. And in a year, we'll talk about it. Right? Well, Joshua, for the year, did the work, worked with him, all kinds of stuff happened. Honestly, the assumption was with Randall at the time was that he'll, it's a passing thing with Pastor, or he'll get, it, Pastor or won't matter. Right? He just was close to him. He misses him. He was just a little boy when he was his youth pastor. But you know, he's in the real world now. I get him a little bit more money. We'll do a little more thing, you know, give him some more prestige. Family business. He turned, how old were you then? 19? Is that when this happened in 1918? When did the first conversation happen? Were you 17? 17, yeah. 17. So did you move here when you were 18? Yeah. Okay, so 17, he had his year. And then 18 comes. And he says, I want to move. Randy is shocked. So he calls me and said, he goes, I can't believe it, man. He still wants to come. You know, I said, listen, what's the worst can happen? I said, you're sending him to me. Number one. Number two, if he fails, I will pack him up and send him home. This is no problem. We'll do it. So... The father's bit. And I told him, I said, have you not trained your son to hear God? And if he's saying he's heard the Lord, why all of a sudden now you're the only one who can hear for him? I caution you, parents. You're raising your children. They're going to get 16, 17, 18 years old. They may not have the plan you think they should have. It's amazing how many parents push their children in the direction all along, bringing them to church and telling them to follow God. <laughs> Only when they decide I've heard God and want to do something that you're like, that can't be God. Because how are you going to be successful? Well, how can you not be successful if you're following God? I've known, I've known way too many teenagers that have talked to me about certain things in their heart only to graduate and be pushed to college and they're shipwrecked lives now. They're degreed, shipwrecked people. Was it worth it? 
Was it worth it? So parents, again, you're, gonna have, you're raising your children in church and then you want to wonder when they turn 18 if they act like they've heard something from God that all of a sudden you, you're going to question that? Open the door for it. Again, if they fail, you're already there to pick them up anyway. I would much rather them fail trying to hear God's voice than fail following your voice. Because if they fail following your voice, they may never hear God's voice again. Because you basically said, all that I've trained you up to this point was a lie because I won't trust you to hear God for yourself. Say amen anyway. Well, but Randall did. He said, let's do it. Come to find out, Josh was right. I said he was right. He heard God. In fact, he heard God first. Because later on, Randy and Melanie heard God. And they're in a state they never thought they would be in. And ever in their wildest imagination did they think they would relocate. But the father had a better business for him. He didn't have to leave the business that he had or, or sell it or anything, though he talks to the Lord about that. At the end of the day, he can still maintain a natural business. But the Lord had already given him an answer long before. And he says, if you'll take care of my business... I'll take care of yours. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this. This happens on both sides, both in churches and in natural business. The failure that most people make is they assume their children have to succeed them. And you won't even look at another option. So as a result, you build the whole business around a family name and not around the will of the father. Because he may actually want the business you're building be given to someone else's name. All right. Praise the Lord. We have to be able to listen. Some things may not go naturally through generation. Now, I'm not saying that it can't. Because it can. There is an anointing on a family name. I have no problem with that. We are kings. And you know, kings succeed to natural kings. I don't have a problem with that. But again, it's about the father's will. This is why I've never put pressure on my children about ministry, nor do I ever put pressure that they'll take Anchor Faith Church should the Lord tarry and I go on. It doesn't guarantee that the person that runs this location has to have my last name or be related to me. They'll be related to me through doing the will of the father because who is my brother and sister and mother and son and daughter? It's the one who does the will of my father. And when you understand that, then no longer will you get in competition with one another. There's no competition now in the church, nor will it be at work. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to be in any position outside of the will of God for your life anyway. And if you're doing the will of God for your life, he's going to promote you into the places of influence that he desires for you anyway. So you get to be free and, and excel. And we get to rejoice in anyone in any position they're in. Yes. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. 
So for me, every time when God allows me to travel and I allow this pulpit to have someone else minister in, I get excited about the plethora of individuals that I can call on to preach. Sunday, Pastor Marcus is going to be ministering here in the house. And I'm excited about that. Because once again, here's a gift. You know, the Lord spoke to me and says, you need to have Pastor Marcus minister? Done. Prior to that, I said, who's going to be on worship? Who can lead so that I can have you minister? I don't want you doing both. At all. Just focus on the message. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful that when we can call people up, I'm thankful when we can put people in our Anchor Faith Live class, when we can put people, you know, in our Kingdom Institute. Why? It allows us releasing gifts. Because again, we're about the Father's business. You don't have to have our last name. But now if you do have our last name and doing something, we shouldn't devalue that. Because I can tell you they're where they're at, not based upon their name, but upon their obedience. Hallelujah. And let me just say this. I would be, you know, um, we would have some conversations if you treated someone who was in the will of the Father wrong whether they have my last name in it or not. So it's definitely going to happen if they do. And it's not more. But I can tell you this from a church perspective. The people with my last name get treated unfairly. It happens. Now, not so much here. I can tell you that, although it has happened here. That is a true statement. And again, people are just growing. I get it. People have their own issues. We get it. That's why I train anyone my last name. Just know it's coming. I've told Brittany, who married into the family, I said, listen, just because you have my last name, they're going to come and talk to you about the ministry. And they've done it. They've tried it. Well, what's going on? I'm like, you're not pastor. Don't let, don't let them put you in that corner. You just tell them point blank. I don't have anything to do with that. You need to call Pastor Earl. Don't do it. Don't let them put you in a corner. Don't think that they can get closer to me through you. Don't do that. It's not right. But again, what's people doing? They forgot the roles. They're trying to use natural in order to manipulate and get their own natural desires. Say amen anyway. We know this happens in natural business. Family-owned businesses can have this challenge, and employees feel like, you know, well, the, you know, the children can't do anything wrong. Well, if you don't openly, if you don't correct them like you would anybody else, then you can hinder the business and you're not leading properly. Because the principle is, I am always in right relationship with the will of the Father. And then all the other relationships come out of that. Okay, do y'all get what I'm saying? All right, we're going to see this. I'll give it to you. We're going to break it down bullet points now. Hallelujah. Genesis 37, 1 through 2. Okay, I wrote a whole book about this guy. It says, now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. And these are the records of the generations of Jacob, Joseph, with 17... Generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers 
while he was still a youth, along with the son, the sons of this woman and the sons of this woman, his father's wives. You know, again, he had four wives. Joseph brought back a what? Bad report about them to their father. Now, the points I'm about to make are not in this in the book Cal's Crows and Constellation at all. Once again, here is a context of scripture that I never pulled out and released within the book, A Dreamer's Reward. All right? Um, so you won't find it in that book. Because again, this is what I love about scripture, is that there's still more to mine. I'm glad every time I read Genesis 37, I don't go, I wrote a book on, I know all there is to know about it. I'm always looking, always listening, always hearing. And as Pastor Vanessa, when she ministered the last time, I've remained teachable. All right? So here's some things we can learn because when we're defining role, when we're about our father's business, not natural, but God the father, then it will allow us to define roles and keep a separation between natural family and natural relationships with duty. The business of God. Number one, Joseph did not let the duties of his assignment be confused with the relationship he had with his brothers. Are you hearing me? I'm just going to, from this passage of scripture, we're going to be able to make quite a few points here. Joseph did not let the duties of his assignment be confused with his relationship with his brothers. In essence, he did not go to the father as a tattletale. Because this was not about a little brother tattling on his brothers. That's natural relationship. No, he came and spoke business. Now, when it comes to the flock, in essence, these workers, they just happen to be my brothers, are not doing it right. Nothing personal. But when it comes to business and our family business is that we shepherd sheep. We're in the livestock. And at the end of the day, this is not about promotion for me. This is not about me trying to look better. This is about business. So Joseph did not let my older brothers who on a natural would have love for them to like him. We already know there's conflict. Because he'll have a dream and talk about it and they will hate him. And yet he does not allow their hatred for him to compromise his principles. Nor will he compromise to try to win their favor. Nor does he do it to cover up their um, wrongdoing. Because duty. To his king to his God is the number one thing. He has to address his character before his God, which means then this natural relationship I'm not going to compromise. And if we don't watch out when we get in our places of business, we're going to allow the natural relationships to be compromised in our character towards God because we want them to like us more than we want God's approval. Now, if you'll get God's approval, everybody at work can hate you. And you'll still go to work with a smile. 
a skip in your step. In essence, they will talk about you so bad and they'll say, this person's so dumb, they don't even know we hate them so much. But you'll be so wise that you know they hate you, but you just don't let them in your mind and affect your decision-making and your emotions because you've ri- you have risen above that because you're seated somewhere in heavenly places. See, you're already promoted without a title when you do that. Joseph understood the assignment of his father was more important than being liked by his brothers. The brothers brought their complaints home to Joseph because they failed to identify the roles of shepherds and brothers. So in essence, they were mad at him, not because he was personally attacking them as a brother, but because he was evaluating their performance as a shepherd. Are you hearing me? I'm Pastor Earl Hill here, but when I go to my home address, I'm my wife's husband. Those are two different roles. There are two different roles. And, and Pastor Marcy has to watch that line because when we're here in the church, she cannot talk to me like her husband. I mean, she has access to me like nobody else. And at home, she can say whatever. But in front of the staff, she can't cross over to the wife. Now, if Pastor Marcy doesn't do something right here at the ministry and I correct it, that shouldn't come home in the bed. Say amen anyway. I can't believe you said, we're talking about your role. I wasn't talking about you being a wife. I was talking about the role. And and vice versa. If if there's something I said I was going to do as a pastor in a particular assignment and I've not accomplished it and she calls it out, I can't go home and say, I can't believe you said that. Because she's not calling me out as a husband, she's calling me out based upon the role. So when you have a family business, you've got to understand this. Because business can show up at the house. And until you understand the different roles, it's better for you if you're struggling to call it out and say, hold on a second. I'm going to put on my you know, owner hat now. I'm going to put on my, because I'm not your husband right now. Are you hearing me? Joseph never tried to restore. No, let me hold, but let me go. Let me, let me say this. Uh, did I put it on here? I did, uh, yeah, let me say this point first. It is necessary at times to remind your natural family of the hats you are wearing. Just as much it is for you to remind sometimes your coworkers of hats you're wearing. Because I'm not your buddy at work. I'm a coworker. 
Now, when we go out and play ball together, you know, we may do certain things, but when we're here on the job, that's a different. It's different. Because again, if you want to actually be a leader of influence and show the kingdom at the workplace, then you got to understand the roles you're in. But yeah, we're just trying to act like we can be friends everywhere. Our family everywhere. Yet Jesus knew this doesn't function. If you're going to do the assignment of your heavenly father, you can't, you know, mess that up. And Joseph even knew that. Joseph was like, I, th- this, there's a difference between brother and us being shepherds. At the end of the day. Now we can go, we can go play ball at the family reunion and have no issue here because we're not talking about our role at work. But that doesn't mean when we get back to work, the assignment I have for you that's due on Tuesday, I'm going to give you a pass because you're my relative. Or you're my buddy because we did. This is why people struggle when you go from peer employment to now you become a manager. And now you're having to tell them what to do. Come on, man. We used to hang out. You forgot your role. I said, you forgot your role. Honey, can you take off? I'm working. It's the reason why we have vacation and these particular things. And you got to understand I'm influencing people. Now, if you want to be with me more, then let's get an agreement that we do a family business so that we can work together. But you understand, then we still have to remember our hats. I remember one time my wife and I went on vacation. I was pastoring here. This has been years ago. So when I say that, what I'm about to say, the individual does not attend church here at all. But there was a particular female that used to be at the church. And, you know, honestly, they just wanted position. They wanted title. They wanted to be known. They've had... Um, training, uh, they definitely should have known because they've been trained to know. But selfish ambition mess you up. And so this like recurring theme started taking place when I left to go either on vacation or on another assignment ministering. That they would come in the church and begin to degrade the pastoral, the pastor's wives. Like just treat them bad. Would yell at them. I mean, just crazy stuff. Basically trying to assert their authority. Like I'm your equal. This is a crazy thing. So I remember being on vacation and all of a sudden the individual did it again. To Pastor Angie. And so she texts my wife about it. And my wife said, you know, yada, yada. And I said, are you serious? <laughs> so I said, you're going to call. I want you call Pastor Angie right now. And you tell her to call this lady and let them know that I want a meeting with them the minute I get back. And my wife was like, no, we're on vacation. I said, Marcy, I have my pastor's hat on. I will not take this hat off until you do this right now. 
because I know I'm on vacation. She knows I'm on vacation and I want her to know that while I was on vacation, I found about it, found out about it and I'm going to deal with it when I get back. I want her to know it. And I won't take it off till you do it. So she did. And the minute she says it's done, that hat was gone. And I didn't think about that hat for another 20 days. I showed back up and I said, where is it? So this person was so self-centered. <laughs> the only available day that they could meet with me is on Wednesday night before I preach. I took it because I'm anointed. I don't care. I took it. I took, I took the meeting. I brought in both. One, one was uh, acting as a pastoral pastor's wife at the time. They're not in that role today. Pastor Angie was there. You know, they came with their husband, sat down, and we had the conversation. And the person literally led the conversation this way. I'm sorry you took it this way. <laughs> I looked at him. I said, let me tell you something. There's only one person that teaches at Anchor Faith Church and doesn't serve anywhere else. It's called a traveling minister. Because if you're going to teach at this ministry, you're serving somewhere. You need to understand, they, they were gone, didn't come back. Because Jezebel can't live in this house. Jezebel can't live in this house. Because I'm no King Ahab. I kick you to the curb. I'm just going to tell you right now, you're anointed ain't got jack. Right? The dogs are ready to lick you up. Don't come into this house. It's just not going to happen. Okay? Because God doesn't like that spirit. He hates that spirit. He hates that spirit in his church. He talked about that spirit in his church in the book of Revelation. So don't think you're coming up in here. It's just not going to work. Right? But most of the time, Pastor Angie and Pastor Marcy intimidate them half the time anyway. You know, so because you know why they're intimidating? Because I hear women say, I'm, you know, they, they intimidate me. Listen, you know what's intimidating about them? is because they're strong women of God who are equally as strong submitted to their husbands. And that's what it is that you see. That they can be that strong, confident, but yet be entirely fully submitted to their spouse. Now that's what a woman of God looks like. But unfortunately, Jezebel thinks I have to be the one and I'm really not submitted to my husband. I want all responsibility. I want all authority with no responsibility. All right. It's a little extra lesson there. My point is, is that, you know, we define the role. And I'm like, that hat's on. It's nothing personal. But I'm doing that role. Jesus never took off his crown. You need to understand that. Jesus said, I call you friends, but that doesn't mean he ever took off his crown. Now, I've had that actually happen to me one time. I was in the guard. Man, is it really this late? We worshiped a long time. I can't tell you the story. Forget it. Um, okay. Jesus, uh, Joseph never tried to restore natural family relationships at the expense of his assignment. What do I mean by that? He's sold as a slave. He goes as a slave, 
Then he's accused of rape. He's thrown into prison, but then he's released from prison. He's made as a prime minister to take care of Egypt. Once he is on in um, government position and he is rocking as a government official, he never once went to Pharaoh and said, hey, I got some brothers and a father that they don't know where I'm at. And I sure would love to restore our relationship. He never left Egypt to go get right with the natural family. Because he knew in the dream, the only way our natural family can be restored is if they come to my assignment. Until you in the natural acknowledge the assignment associated with the individual, you're never really going to have a relationship. It's only going to be surface. And I know this from experience from my own natural family. I have surface relationship with my bloodline. Because until they acknowledge and recognize the assignment on my life, we can't have a real relationship. So there are more people in here that I am way closer to than natural family name. And I don't feel bad about that. Because the scripture tells me that my mama, my brothers, and my sister are those who do the will of the Father. And many of you get all upset because you want to be closer to your natural family, yet they don't want to be close to God. And you're, 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 you're bending over backwards and compromising. Well, you know, come over Sunday. Well, I go to church Sunday. Why don't you come to church? Well, no, why don't you come here? I mean, when, when are you going to take care of your family? Oh, I am taking care of my family. I go to church. When are you going to actually get into family? When are you going to actually start acting like family? Amen. Okay. Um, your role in the kingdom family should not be confused with your role in your natural family. Your kingdom family takes precedence over your natural family. I said your kingdom family takes precedence. Now this is not popular preaching, but it's truth nonetheless. Now that doesn't mean that you get rid of your, if you're doing kingdom family work, you will be the best to your natural family. There's no doubt about that. But, it, but your natural family, you won't abuse on both sides. You'll recognize. And then the anointing associated with your call or assignment will filter over into your children so that when you are together naturally, it maximizes the relationship. Honor the assignment of your natural family and do not abuse it. We look, we are not to look with more favor nor more mercy to natural family when it comes to the vision. It's your purpose. It's amazing a lot of times when you get in business, you end up giving more mercy to your namesake. Or you allow, you overlook. And because of that, then people get disgruntled in your organization. And you can do this naturally. You can have someone, co-worker, you work with y'all really close. You do things on the weekend together, all this stuff. And then you give more mercy to that person than someone else. That's not a just 
judge. You're not judging justly. This is leadership stuff. <laughs> Do not allow your assignment to the vision become compromised with your personal relationships. Can't do it. Can't do it. To cover up the mistake or failure of your natural family at the expense of kingdom business will hinder the vision. To treat your natural family with contempt at home because you do not hold uh, them accountable to the kingdom assignment while at work is an abuse of roles. Are you hearing me? There are conversations you should never have with your natural family concerning the kingdom business because their assignment role cannot handle your information. You should not be talking to your coworkers about church stuff, right. conflict. Yeah. You know what happened at church, man? You know, there's somebody at church, you know, I found out that they were cheating on their wife. Why would you tell a coworker that? How stupid is that? Why would you talk about any? If you do business with someone at the church and it doesn't necessarily pan out, why would you talk to other people about that? Why would all of a sudden you take a business matter and then begin to just talk to common people, saints, concerning someone else in the church that didn't do something? You know, I find people who don't keep the kingdom first and that assignment first always want to demand respect out of people. But yet them, they themselves don't respect. Hallelujah. Everybody all right? On the church side, there are many pastor's children that have left the ministry because of having conversations about the church at home that their children overheard and should have never heard. But you know what? I'll go further. Even congregational people's children have left the church because the congregation member went home and talked about things at the church with their kids around. My wife and I did not talk about anything concerning the church in front of our children. Our children thought the church was the most amazing thing on the face of the planet. In fact, my kids became shocked when they found out that was not the case. <laughs> that there were problems <laughs> that existed. I mean, my daughter for the longest time thought that every believer never did anything wrong. She did think that. But unfortunately, that's not true. I like to say this. Your spouse is not your boss, so they cannot define your work hours. I'm going to say that again. 
Your spouse is not your boss, so they cannot define your work hours. I don't work for Pastor Marcy. So she can't tell me when I go to work. I'm telling you, this generation coming up, man, they want so much of their own personal time. Then they say, you know, they'll actually leave jobs just for their, well, go work together then. No problem. I have no problem with that. Go work together. But again, when your spouse says they work you too much, they're not your boss. And again, if you have an assignment somewhere to work and be an influence, then you communicate that. You get an agreement about that. My wife and I, when I started this church, actually, I worked, um, well, prior to this, uh, I, I worked a third shift, I worked a, a swing shift job that, you know, uh, seven days on, two days off, seven days on, one day off, seven days on, straight, and then four days off. And it was third shift for seven straight days, then second shift for second straight days, then first shift for second straight days, four off, and then you come back and do the thing again. It was brutal. But it was a season. And there were times she didn't want me to go to work. But at the end of the day, you're not my boss. And I have an assignment. Now, that doesn't mean sometimes I didn't say, I recognize there's a need. I'm going to take this day. But you understand the minute you take the day that that day's gone. So again, later on, if we're not doing something else because I burned it, on a day you were emotionally missing because at the end of the day, you're not my boss and I just can't take off any time you want. But you understand what happens in work because we have phones. Most people are carrying on conversation with their natural family all day long. And I'm trying to figure out, are you even working? You want to get ahead in your business? Put your phone down. Tell your spouse, I'll call you here on break. And don't be known as the one who's constantly carrying on conversation with natural relationships. Because how are you going to have influence? Just say amen anyway. These are very simple things that will cause people who are part of a vision and a corporation look at you and say, these people have the vision. And you'll get promoted above everybody just by simply understanding the roles and functioning in those roles. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you, Lord, that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 